their tongues. About 10 years ago, 2008, we got the privilege of being able to vacation. My wife, my daughter uh, Elizabeth, and myself in uh, Miami, Florida. Now, Miami, Florida is home to a bunch of weirdos. There's some weird people in Miami, trust me, I I digress. But we got a chance to go there, and I have a friend, Ron Simmons, who knew somebody, you probably all would know who it was, but not right now, it doesn't much matter. He had a place down in Key Largo. You know, it was a couple hours away, and so we thought, well, let's get in there. So I got the text of his address, and we're following it. It's a couple hours south, we're driving down to the Keys, and down there, and we're driving there. And I drive up, and here it is, it's a gated community. In case you want to look it up, it's the Ocean Reef Club. And so there's a guard there, and he says, can I help you? And I'm like, well, uh, yeah, I'm here to see so-and-so. A friend of mine told me about it. And So he picks up the phone to call the guy. His friend, he picks it up, and he said, do you know an Evan Nunley? And he's like, no, no, tell him I know Ron Simmons. Tell him I know Ron Simmons. And as soon as I heard Ron Simmons, the guy opened the gate, and I got in. Now, if you go to the website you will see all kinds of uppity stuff. You will see they have a dress code like you've never seen before. They have a dress code. They have pictures of people there. They have a picture, and below it it says, no, no, or yes, yes. One of the pictures had no, no, and yes, yes. And in that picture, it had a picture of a guy who had these long board shorts and a really nice buttoned-up shirt, and it said yes, yes to what he was wearing, but he had tattoos. It said no, no to that. You know, they have a dress code for what you can wear at the beach. It's about what a dress code I have for my daughters. They, have, they had a 60-year-old guy, a picture of him, playing tennis in a white T-shirt, and they said, no, no. See, what, what happens in this place is it's become a place for only certain people. And mostly, those certain people are rich. Take a look at the top of your sermon notes there. You take a look at there. You pull out your smartphone. The last couple weeks, I helped several people show on your smartphone. If you go to the Bible app, lower right-hand corner, you can pull up all the notes there. I want to talk to you about a place for certain people. Folks, if you join a country club, I, I was invited out to lunch when I first moved to Madison to plant a church there in 1992, and somebody said, would you consider joining the country club with us? And I'm like, sure. Then he showed me the prices. That at that time was $10,000. Man, those church planners, they don't pay us that kind of money, but I digress. See, you go to a country club, there's memberships there, and let me tell you, they're glad certain people don't get in. They are glad certain people don't get in. Have you thought about that in regards to the spiritual world? Have you thought about the fact that only certain people get in? Do you know that there's this thought out there that everybody gets in, most people get in? I'd like to talk to you and me today about being eternally grateful because I know in this life there are some things that go wrong. And we can can find things to be thankful for, a lot of temporary things, but how about us focusing on being eternally thankful? A couple things in your notes today because we're going to have the Lord's Supper as part of our service today. Eternally thankful, number one, the gatekeeper, the gatekeeper. I don't know about you, but have you ever jumped a fence to get in because you couldn't afford to get into the, like, uh, Euclid's uh, swim pool? You know, if, if you don't have a pass, your parents can't afford it. Some people I know jumped the fence to get in. I'm sure that never happened with you, you know. I know somebody who lives right at the back of Michigan Stadium. You know Michigan, the team that got their butt kicked last night? 
she lives right on the back, and she can get over the fence to go into the games for free. Look at what Jesus tells uh, us in John 10, verses 1 through 3. He said, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. Who's Jesus talking to? He's talking to the Pharisees. One of the difficulties, one of the dangers of Christians is we can get so comfortable we think, he's not talking to me because I'm not a Pharisee. But he's talking about the type of thinking that Pharisees have. And he's talking to the Pharisees, understand? And he says to them, anyone, so that includes everyone, right? Anyone who does not enter the kingdom of God through the gate, he, they're a crook. Verse 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. You see, there, there is a way to enter into the gate. It's the right way to get in. It's the right one to get in. He's the shepherd of the sheep. His name is Jesus. He, he's the Savior. He's the gatekeeper. Here's the picture. There is a sheep pen with a bunch of sheep in it. There's one entrance in and out of it most of the time, and the gatekeeper lets you in or out. Anybody hopping in over the other fence, they're, they're not a sheep, and they certainly aren't the gatekeeper. Verse 3. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. A picture of Jesus. And doesn't it only make sense that the gatekeeper is the one who opens the gate? The sheep certainly don't open the gate. We know that. It only makes sense that Jesus opens the gates of heaven. He said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. It took someone to pay for the sins of the world and our sins to open that gate. It only makes sense that the sheep listen to their shepherd. Are you listening? Am I listening? Or have I fallen into, I'm comfortable, I got saved years ago, I'm good. And you become maybe a little bit lukewarm. Notice the passage of Scripture, he calls them by name. They have a personal relationship. Because I, I did some reading and found out that shepherds would name their sheep. And isn't it true of Christianity that there's this personal relationship when you stop playing the religious game like I did and you get personal with Jesus? He leads them out. They're penned up. We're penned up in our sin, and then there comes this time when he leads us out, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me into green pastures. That's what the shepherd does. He's the gatekeeper. He, he, he lets us out. Those sheep, if you're one of them, we are eternally thankful. If you are not, you try to get into heaven some other way, you will be eternally lost. You will be eternally lost. There's a gatekeeper, everybody. There's a shepherd. There's a savior. His name is Jesus. Does the gatekeeper know you? Because in the scripture it says, those come to Jesus and they did all these things and he said, depart from me. I never knew you. Number two, eternally thankful. Aren't we eternally thankful for the heads up? You know, the warning signs, you know, when I was in Kansas, there was a lot of fences that said electrified fence which meant, in fine print, you touch this, you're going to get hurt or die. They used it. There was a, they had so much cattle and, and, and so many animals. and Electrified fence. It's like seeing the you know, danger. Don't cross here. Doberman Pinscher. You know? Listen to the warning that Jesus gives us in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate. 
period. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Don't ever let somebody tell you most of the people in the world go to heaven. Don't think it. Don't go to a funeral assuming they have, no matter if the preacher puts them in there or not. That goes directly against what Jesus said. Jesus gives us a heads up. There is a narrow gate. It's the true gate. It's the real gate. The wide gate is the one that you want to avoid. It's the way that everybody goes. It's the way that everybody thinks. It's how they form God in their own image and their own way. They're the ones that they're trying to get in some other way into the sheep pen. They're trying to get in some other way. The broad road leads to the word is destruction. I looked it up in the original language. In the context here, it means the destruction which consists of eternal misery in hell. Thank you for the heads up. Now, whether I believe Jesus or not is another thing, you know. Many enter through this gate, this road. Most people go this way. Ask somebody you know. Ask somebody you know. Say, hey, how does a person get into heaven? One of the questions we were taught in Evangelism Explosion. How does a person get into heaven? Look at all the different thoughts. I'm thinking of somebody I know, a relative, who says, getting to heaven is like getting to the top of a mountain. There's different sides, all kinds of different ways to get up. Well, I guess that makes Jesus wrong, doesn't it? No, I don't think so. Thanks for the heads up, Jesus. Verse 14, small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. This is the word for spiritual life. This is the word for eternal life, and only a few find it. It's interesting. In 1960, the Earth's population grew to about 3 billion people. 2017, according to stats that I took a look at, it's more than doubled. It's 7.5 billion now, just in what, about 60 years, something like that. A sixth of those people live in China. Many and few How few? Many don't make it. How about you? Small is the gate. It's not as noticeable as a big, ornate, good-looking gate that everyone wants to go. Narrow is the road. Narrow road is the life that honors Jesus. Does my life, does your life honor Jesus? Do we get our calling orders from his word? Do we do what he tells us no matter what the popular opinion is? Small is the gate and narrow is the road Few find it. I, I, what does few mean, you know? For us guys who are out there who are fishermen, John, we know that in the last few years, perch are hard to find. They have been drying up. they got all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of reasons why, why there's not a whole lot of perch, but we're out there and we're trying to find them. Lake Erie, about 10,000 square miles, 127 billion gallons of water. We're looking for a few perch. So you, if you want to catch some perch, you try to get a, you get a boat because other than that, you just got to be on the shoreline. So you try to find a boat and you talk to people. Hey, are there perch biting yet? Hey, anybody catching any perch? And you go and you ask people, hey, where are they at if you found them? And what kind of bait are they biting on? You know, and then what you do is you cheat. Everybody calls it cheating. You get yourself a fish finder and you learn how to read it. Hey, everybody, this last year I bought a boat with Jeff. Where's Jeff at? Jeff and I own it together. He pays for everything. I just enjoy it. And we were offered a black and white fish finder. Eh, about that big. It was offered for free. But Jeff is like, if we're going to find a fish, we need a bigger one. We need a color one. We need him to say, here I am. I'm a perch. 
amazing people who are looking for you eat perch you know why we're hunting them down how much effort have you put into finding Jesus have you put that kind of effort into it because he makes a promise to you if you search for me with your heart if you search for me the way you search for perch you may not find perch but you will find me that's a promise from Jesus Christ. Jesus, he gave us a heads up. There's a small gate. There's a narrow road. It's not that hard to find if you seek Jesus. Number three, we're eternally thankful for the company. The company that we keep. Have you ever heard the phrase, you are known or you will be known by the company you keep? It's kind of the same way as saying, Birds of a feather flock together. And what it means is, is, is the people you choose and the people you hang out reflect who you are. They reflect on your personality. So if you're smart, parents are always trying to tell their kids, stay away from them. Hang out with them. No parent ever told their kids with, about that, me, when I was growing up. They known by your company. Christians, you can't avoid being around people who are not Christians. I get it. I know that. But we're going to be known by the company we keep. I, I know somebody who was away for 10 days and came back home and said, man, I was all around all these people. I was at this situation. I was at all these people or partying. All these guys. I couldn't wait to get home to be around my Christian friends. I get it. You can't help but be around them sometimes. But Psalm 118, verses 19 and 20, the psalmist said, open for me, he's talking to the Lord, open me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. The psalmist specifically requests, could you open the gate for the righteous? And I ask myself the question, Evan, does that describe you? Does that, it's only the gate for the righteous. I hope you're not afraid to say, I'm righteous, I'm walking with Jesus Christ. That's the only people that get in. We become righteous through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, not our own works, but we can't make this request if we're not the righteous ones. Look at verse 20. This is the gate of the Lord. Here's the gate of the righteous. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. The gate of the Lord, the narrow gate, the narrow-minded people who say, like us, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to get into heaven. You can't go up a bunch of different sides of the mountain. You are narrow-minded. Yeah, and I'm on the narrow road. I hope you are. I hope you are. The company that we get to keep with is the righteous, you know. The gate of the Lord, the narrow gate. And, and haven't you heard somebody say, you know, I probably said something stupid like this before I was a Christian, you know. You know, I don't really want to go to heaven, you know. All my friends and all the party, and it's going to be in hell, and that's where I want to go. You know, people say stupid stuff, you know. You know, I don't know, you probably all have been following the wildfires, Kim and family. I mean, to me, that's about like somebody saying, um, you know, uh, the wildfires are coming. We know they're heading towards us. Uh, but me and my friends, we're going to stay in the house and party because ain't going to touch us. And then, then there was a woman who was interviewed. And in the interview, they basically said to her, you know, did you know when you moved here that these fires come through? She says, oh, yeah, we knew that the fires would come through here. We just didn't think that they were going to come this quickly. And one day, in about 50 years, most of us won't be here. That's pretty quick. We'll wake up on into eternity. It's coming. It's coming quicker. Maybe for some who don't even make it 50 years. Maybe for somebody who doesn't make it home to them. I'm not trying to be uh, uh, um, downcast, but 
84 people were dead and 560 still unaccounted for. Christians, the righteous, we need to be eternally thankful for the company that we get to keep. The company that we hang out with, we're grateful for those who know and serve because only the righteous enter through that gate. And then number four, eternally thankful for the new earth. This earth is pretty good, but there's a place called the new heavens and the new earth. The book of Revelation calls it the new Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, the city of God, the city of peace. The book of Revelation talks about it a little bit. I have Revelation 22, 14 and 15 for you. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Do you see the restrictions? Do you see the requirements? The kingdom of heaven, not everybody gets in. This is what the fourth one we've looked at. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Who's outside the gates? You can go down that list of things and people and stuff like that, but everyone that practices falsehood. Let's just jump to the last one because some of those other big ones, we're not really those, you know. We're not murderers, you know, sexually immoral. We're, we're just practicing our, our religion and falsehood. It's really not God's way. It's my way. I've kind of created it myself. Haven't you talked to people? They've created their religion in their own minds. And one of the commandments says, thou make God in your own image. And it's not an image set up, but it's an image in my mind. It's an image in my heart. It's what I do. These are people who try to get into heaven some other way. They're going through the wide gate. And then what's on the inside of the gate? People with clean robes, which is a picture of righteousness. A picture of people who wear a robe, just signifying that we are right with God. And you know how your robe, how your soul is cleansed? How it's clean? How it's white? By the blood of Jesus Christ. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a narrow way. These are people that are found here. Inside of these people, they're the righteous. They're given the right to eat from the tree of life. And one day, true Christians, not people who call themselves that by title, followers of Jesus Christ, they're going to be eternally thankful for a new place to live. What doesn't enter that new place inside those gates is suffering, pain, crying, disease, and the curse that's on this earth. What does enter is eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal happiness. The presence of the Lord Jesus Christ is there. And oh yeah, there's requirements to get in those gates. Some requirements are interesting, aren't they? We love them when they protect us, when they're good, when they benefit us. We kind of hate them when they restrict us. And I tell you, if you come to Lifehouse or Lifeline or whatever, you understand and know this, there's restrictions to get involved in ministry. You know, we just want to vet people. and We have to understand that. We understand who it is and who, you know, all kinds of different ministries, you know. You learn to kind of be thankful for temporary things in this life, and I appreciate that. And I am, and I try to be thankful. But I think as Christians, the asterisk in your notes says that what's eternal, what we've been given eternal, should cause us to be eternally thankful today. Because so many other things can take us, you know. You, you're an eternal being. 
Once you were conceived, eternity is in you. You will spend eternity somewhere. Today we're going to take the Lord's Supper. And as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper today, guess what? There's restrictions on it. There's restrictions on it. Number one, you must be a follower of Jesus Christ. You must be, you call it born again, you call it saved, whatever it is, you must be a follower of Jesus. But there's also a restriction found in 1 Corinthians 11, you know, that um, if Christians and brothers and sisters have something with each other, a problem, a sin, you need to go to them before you take it. Or if you can't do that today, make it up in your mind before you take the Lord's Supper that you will take care of that. Now, if you're here today and you haven't made a decision for Jesus, I, I went to church, and I was seeking, and I had not made a decision for Jesus. Please have the integrity to not take the Lord's Supper today. Please have the integrity not to take that today. But here's the other thing. For those here today, who you today, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus. You want to today say, I want to enter through the narrow gate. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ today. You can do that. By understanding that you in your heart, your mind, you've got to turn from your lifestyle to Jesus' style. You have to turn from your sins to a clean life following Jesus. And you've got to make that commitment deep and for the Lord Jesus Christ. Candy's going to come as we get ready to do take the Lord's Supper today. And if you folks want to come forward, there's a gatekeeper. There's a narrow gate. The righteous get in there. Those who have washed their robe. Now, folks, I have a picture up here, if you've got that graphic for me of when we got in to Key Largo. Got that graphic for me there? You got the uh, graphic of uh, the one from... There we go. Anybody know who the guy is on the left? Mr. Osborne. Some people like him. Mr. Osborne. Ron used to work for Mr. Osborne. And he worked for him. He called down there and said, you know... My friend Evan, he's coming up. Could you take him in there? You're not, Mr. Osborne was so kind to us. Didn't know us from Adam. He took us on his golf cart from place to place. They got an airport there. They have their own movie theater there. They have a golf cart there. They, they, he took us from place. They have their own beach carved out there and a marina and everything else. And he took us. They have a little museum. Took us from place to place. But I'm going to tell you this. There's no way I'm getting into Key Largo, Ocean Reef, uppity place, without Ron Simmons knowing somebody that I don't know. No way. There's no way you're getting into the gates of heaven without the gatekeeper, Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me today? Lord, as we prepare our hearts to receive the Lord's Supper today, I'm asking you and have been asking you to speak to somebody here today who may be like me, you know, you're interested, but the Holy Spirit, Jesus is just speaking loud and clear to you today. And today, you're going to take the Lord's Supper for the very first time ever as a follower of Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you backslid, and today you want to recommit your heart and your life to Jesus. With everybody's heads bowed, I want to pray for you. I want to see that the Spirit is speaking. Would you slip your hand up today with me? Slip your hand up with me today that I am giving my life to Jesus Christ. Anybody here today, you're going to take the Lord's Supper, the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody? One. Father, as we...
prepare our hearts to receive what you have given to us, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. By your spirit, may you speak to the one, the one here today, the one at Lifeline today that said, I, I'm coming home. May you let them know that their sins are forgiven by your blood. May you open the word of God to them, Jesus. Open the word of God to them so that they see and that they hear like never before. And Lord, help them get cemented around other Christians. The company that you keep says a lot. May they be a part of your church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.